Okay, well, welcome back to Real Talk for Real Men. I'm Guy Mullen. And I'm Chris Field. And today, Chris, we're going to pick your brains on something you've been thinking about recently. Absolutely, yes. I want to talk to you about facing up to life's journey. Well, that sounds pretty deep. <laughs> deep. Actually, it is. And, and the reason I say that it, that it's facing up to life's journey, because as I think about it, it's something that we have to take with us, unfortunately, decade after decade after decade. So not necessarily good news, but I think in one sense, important news for all of us to get in under our belt today. You know, why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> you don't know what I'm, I'm going to talk about, I'm not you? sure I'm ready for this one. <laughs> well, let me tell you where this one came from. Okay. I was uh, asked to help a young person uh, uh, just recently and sat down and talked to them. They'd come from the country. They'd been able to live perfectly happily at home with their siblings and their parents. Life was perfectly comfortable for them. Then they left and went off to study in the city and to go off to university. Now, that's a fairly standard kind of leaving home kind mm -hmm. of experience. The American people do that all the time. From what I understand, the rule seems to be you've got to pick a college that's outside the state that you grew up in. You know, there's this sort of sense of cutting the apron strings and this yep. wrench. Now, when that happens, we found from our experience, and we've accommodated some people that have been friends of ours, who we maybe people we didn't know. For your experience with us. your kids, you mean? No, with other people's kids other being people's sent kids. to us, right? Right. So someone out of town will say, can you put up uh, and give accommodation to our child for their first six months while they move into the city, get right. set okay. up and so on? Yep. We found that fairly universally with young people leaving home that they have two fairly obvious characteristics. One is that they're stupid and the other is that they're arrogant. <laughs> uh, right. In fact, it reminds me of the joke that my brother tells me and I rather like it. He said that uh, somebody said that I was ignorant and I was arrogant. I haven't got a, cl haven't got a clue what they mean and I, I don't care, you know, <laughs> which is based ignorance and arrogance. Now, the example that comes to my mind is that a lovely young man that came from a lovely Christian family, sent down to Melbourne, uh, came and stayed with us for a period of time, and he was full of confidence, full yep. of excitement about himself. He was at that stage of life. He mm -hmm. was in his late teens. Yep. Uh, he was on top of the world. He was loved by his family, popular at his church and school. He'd come down here and kind of expected... The, everyone to roll out the red carpet for so him. So he's, he's been a big fish in a small pond and he's moved yeah. to a big pond. And, and, and still he's had a happy fish. life. No reason to feel bad about himself, right? Yep. But then he confronts my wife. And my wife has raised five sons by then. And so she understands that young men have to learn a whole lot of things about life that girls might take automatically for granted, might take an interest in, guys won't. So cleaning, taking responsibility, cleaning up their, their room, putting things in, in the wash, packing away the things when they're washed. And so she taught this young fellow to take responsibility. One of the things was he had to actually do his own washing. She wanted to be sure he could put the washing machine on, put in the powder, and then carry his own things out and hang them on the line. And not all come out pink. Well, he did a good job. He, he got it through the washing stage fine. Mm -hmm. He got it out on the line. That was fine. And then uh, that afternoon when things were dry, she went to him and said, hey, I brought in my washing. I haven't brought in yours. I want you to take responsibility for your washing. You need to bring your washing in. Oh, yeah, 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 fine. Uh, the next day, she said to him, by the way, your washing is still on the line. Um, it's all dry by now. Uh, there might be some rain in the next It'll couple of days. Again. Yeah, well, you should maybe bring it back in, you see. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Now, that went on for five days. Mm -hmm. And finally, he needed the particular shirt that was hanging on the line. Right. Where's my shirt? Where's my shirt? What's going on? Where, who's got my shirt? You know. Now, that's what we would call ignorance, right? That's just stupidity. It's that... That he's been spoiled by the luxury of a loving mum who mm -hmm. did a good job, 
who did the washing, hung it out and brought it back in again, right? Yep. And folded, folded it. And, it yeah, put it, it in. Yeah, put it in his whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now he didn't know that he was spoiled and stupid. You know, he, he was a lovely guy, right? He this couldn't. Normal. He couldn't help. Yeah, mm. yeah. Why, why don't you look at me when you said that? No, I mean we are. If we're if we're just raised in a nice home, we probably take for granted all of those things, right? And he was. Anyway, uh, Susan said, it's out on the line. I told you every day for the last five days, you've got to bring your washing in. Go out and get your washing. So out he trots and he get, comes back in with his shirt. What's going on with this? And Susan says, what's the problem? Look at my shirt. Now, it was a lovely tropical coloured shirt, but hanging in the sun for five days, uh, okay. parts of it had become bleached just right. from the sunlight, right? right? He said, look at this. And Susan said, yes, well, you left it on the line. no. The sunlight in Melbourne is stronger than where I come from. Now, that's stupid. Of course, that's not the case, right? But that was his rationale in his head. Susan said, no, I told you five days ago, bring in the washing. And if you'd brought it in, then it wouldn't have been faded. You didn't take responsibility. You left it on the line too long. No, the sunlight in Melbourne is stronger than it is where I come from. Now, that's arrogance. Mm. So here we had the combination of ignorance and arrogance working together. Mm-hmm. And basically he was saying, I am unteachable. I'm stupid and I want to stay this way. He didn't know he was saying that, but that's what he was doing. Yep. So I sat down with this young fellow who was having relational issues. He was staying in a, in a house where there were multiple other students who were all going off to university. And he was falling out of favor with them because things that he just did because they suited him didn't suit the other people. Mm-hmm. He was staying up later, making more noise. He was leaving more more mess. And he thought that they were just picking on him. Why don't they like me? Everyone at home, everybody likes me, but here nobody likes me. And it was just ignorance and arrogance. And it's the sort of thing I remember back, you got a big reality check when you started flatting with other students. Uh-huh. Now, you know, I can see your guilty conscience coming out here. <laughs> well, my mum actually taught me fairly well, actually. Did she, she wouldn't leave me live. She wouldn't leave, let me leave home until I could cook and look after myself. Good, good girl. But, uh, but you know, when you're busy and you're more interested in socialising or playing sports and, and, you know, your domestic domestic chores can, some, can kind of seem like a chore and you don't really want to do them. But I think that's why they call them chores. It, it is, isn't it? But, yeah, I remember those days where your domestic duties, if you didn't follow them, you had nobody to pick after, up after you and you had to face the consequences. So what happens to these young people? They're not, they're, they're not bad. They're just ignorant. Mm. And they're just possibly arrogant as well without realizing it. And then they confront a bigger world and it, it walks over their ignorance and walks over their arrogance and they end up in conflict. Mm. So the young person that was referred to me that I had to just sit down and meet was fitted that profile, had come from the country, stayed with a group house somewhere, was falling into conflict with people. And at a certain point, that had led to a fairly nasty encounter with one of the other residents. It had got to the point where that person became less and less tolerant and there was more and more anger. Now, this is over a period of five months or so. And finally, after at the end of that, there were some really nasty things that were said that really hurt this young fellow. And I was asked to chat to him and have a bit of a chat, talk to him and see if I could help him through all of this. And so as I sat and, and looked at him, I thought, you, you poor kid, I understand where you're at. You know, you're, you're ignorant and arrogant in the nicest possible way, and you don't know it. And this is a journey. I mean, this is life's journey. Mm. You're going to have to do this. This just happens. Yep. It, it, and the only way you're going to deal with your ignorance and your arrogance, if it hasn't been properly schooled out of you by your parents, and none of us are perfect parents, you're going to have to learn it by encounters with other people. Yeah, you're going to have to learn it the hard way now. And so I said to him, look, this is normal. 
This is where you're at. And by the way, you're stupid and arrogant. And he took that. He understood what I meant when I explained that to him. And he accepted that he was both stupid and arrogant and that he had a journey to to take. But I said to him, the process that's really important here is God's process in all of this. And I want to just let you in on a secret. I'm 65 and I'm still in that process. And that's why I say it's really life's journey, tuning into life's journey, because life's journey is about continuing to improve in the way we relate to people Mm. and continuing to improve in the way we relate to God. And that's what this young fellow had to do. He had to improve his relationship with the people. But the only way he could really do that was by improving his relationship with God. And let me unpack that a little bit more, because this began to get into a fairly serious conversation with this young fellow. I said to him, in the midst of all of this stuff that's come up now and it's sort of really agitating you, um, what, what's the landscape look like? What, what words describe what's going on inside you? I found when I talked to him that he was like totally preoccupied by a meeting that was coming up later in the week where there was going to be another group meeting of all of the residents with one of the external supervisors coming in. And he was just totally preoccupied by that. He couldn't concentrate on his studies. He couldn't think about anything else except the meeting. He said, I wish it was over. I just just wish we could have it now. Let's have it this afternoon. But I've got to wait till the end of the week. And it was just consuming him. Yep. And I said, that feeling that you've got of this thing right in your face, give me some words to describe it. Is it fear? Is it is it bitterness? Is it... Is it uh, resentment? Uh, Is it hurt pride? It's got to be something. Tell me what you're dealing with. And so he began to unpack what he was feeling, you know, that there was injustice. He was falsely accused. I think he felt humiliated. There was hurt pride in there. Stuff that, and I wanted him to get used to the idea that through life, we will have encounters with people and circumstances which are not happy encounters, and they bring something up right into our face and we can't not think about it. We dream about it. We talk about it. It's in our face all the time. And that's God's red warning light that that is connected to things inside us we have to deal with. I said, you've now got these issues with these people and you've got this light flashing in front of your face. Now you've got to be able to take that to God. That's where the, the vertical relationship steps in. So, for instance, if you're afraid that they're going to kick you out of the house, or you're afraid that someone else's wrong interpretation of who you are is going to be accepted and you'll be belittled and humiliated unfairly or whatever. If it's fear, then you've got to talk to God and say, God, I've got fear issues here. How do I resolve fear issues? Well, maybe you'd go to the Bible and look at how David resolved fear issues. He said, when I am afraid, which meant he did get fearful, When I am afraid, I put my trust in God. So there was a strategy then that could be employed. It helped him deal with the horizontal issues of the people around him, but he did it by addressing the vertical and connecting with something that came from God. Let's say then in another situation, maybe it wasn't fear, maybe it was pride. Maybe he felt terribly humiliated that he was actually a jerk. He was, what did I say, stupid, ignorant and arrogant, and it was now on public display, and he felt humiliated. Well, then what's the journey there? If you come before God and said, God, I think I'm having pride issues. What do you think he's going to say? Humble yourselves, therefore, Mm. under the mighty hand of God, so that in time he can exalt you. So we resolve the horizontal issues by a vertical transaction. 
And the warning light that there is something in our life that has to be dealt with is that something is really in our face. It's really annoying us. And I said to this boy, I said, what you're facing right now is the perfect object lesson for the rest of life's journey. Because in your work experience, in your marriage, with your kids, with extended relatives, with neighbors, with the society at large, you will have confrontations and issues that become something in your face that bothers you, that's a thorn under your claw. It's something that agitates you. You think about it, you dream about it, it it stirs you up. And that's God's warning light that you now need to press into him in a new way to find out what's actually ticking away inside you that's as yet unresolved. If it's fear, you deal with fear. If it's pride, you deal with pride. If it's jealousy or bitterness or unforgiveness, you deal with those things. And then when you do, you come back to that place of peace. Now, I happened to say to him, I said, you're now agitated about a meeting at the end of the week and you can't focus on anything but that meeting. Well, what if you were president of the United States? And you said, I'm sorry, I can't deal with the nuclear crisis happening in whichever country it is because I'm worried about a meeting that's going to happen on Friday mature people don't get bogged down like that. They're able to say, there are problems and issues I have about a meeting that's happening on Friday, but I can process that. I can deal with it. I can get it out of my face. I can get it out of my central focus. Now, you're not able to do that yet. So this is part of your life journey. What is it that you've got to do so that when something is right in your face and you can't get rid of it, you then end up with strategies that enable you to put it aside? Or maybe to dissolve it completely. So for instance, if it's fear and you find, you say, God, whatever they do to me, whether I get kicked out or not, I know you've got everything under control. Then it doesn't matter about what happens at the meeting. You've resolved the fear issue. And so now it's not there in your face. So as we go through life's journey and we have these kind of experiences, whether as a teenager or as an 85-year-old, whether it's with family or whether it's with enemies that come in a boat from overseas... When we face these issues, we need to have the skill set that enables us to go to God and say, what in the world do I need here? Why is this thing so disturbing to me? What's wrong? I said to the young fellow too, I said, let's assume here that your problem is pride. Now, I'm not suggesting that it was. I wasn't accusing him. I was saying, let's, let's assume that, that, that you're pr- prideful and that you're wanting to assert your presence in that place over the others. You want to make noise, they don't want you to make, and you want them to shut up and let you make your noise, right? If you really were to take that to God, you might find that God says to you, I want you to die to that desire. I want you not even to go to the meeting, not even to fight for what you think are your rights. Mm. But like Jesus did, to be falsely accused and accepted. To be punished when you weren't even at fault and accepted. Jesus did that. So what if you were to find that kind of grace? And go to the meeting and say, I recognize I have caused trouble here. My presence has been a problem and I wish to stay here, but I don't wish the problem to be a problem for me or anyone else anymore. Whatever you decide, I will accept. That would be a very beautiful and powerful way to respond, but would also take an enormous amount of character. So guess what? We don't normally find 18-year-olds doing that. Mm. We don't normally find 32-year-olds doing that. But you know, you might find someone who's 60 or 70, who's been kicked enough and been through enough and seen enough and realized what the journey is really all about, who might actually walk into the meeting and say, guys, I've fought for things all my life and it has been a waste of my time. I've been arrogant and independent and I've demanded my rights and Jesus has finally taught me to lay my rights down 
and I don't really care what decision you, you make, I will take it on the chin and I'll trust God to look after me. Now, that's a level of maturity. But guess what? That means the same journey that poor 18-year-old is going through is the journey we go through in our 20s and in our 30s and in our 40s and in our 50s and in our 60s and in our 70s and beyond. It is life's journey. Mm. So the thing that this brings up in my mind really is the question of, of identity because as a as a young person, that's one of the struggles that we have, right? When we were teenagers and even through into our 20s, we're trying to work out who we are. What is our place in the world? Can we can we succeed? And for a young man, can I be a man? Can I can I live up to life's expectations? And and as young men, we tend tend to tend to switch or or bounce between being supremely confident and thinking, right, I can take on the world, I can do anything I want to do, versus feeling like, oh, I'm just hopeless, I cannot do anything right, I've got no talent in anything, and we and jump between the two. But I think that um, you know, as we move through in life and we get a greater sense of our identity, I think that's what underpins your thoughts there. By the time that you're 60 or 70, it might be at a younger age, might be at a, an older age, but once we have that real deep sense of who we are, then it doesn't matter what other people say about us. It doesn't yeah. matter how others kick us. Absolutely. Because it's not their opinion that matters. Yeah. You know, and, and Solomon said, you know, the, the fear of man bringeth the snare. Mm-hmm. And I remember at my baptism, somebody stood up and they said, Guy, I want you to remember never to be afraid of what other people think. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I've I've thought about ever since then. Mm-hmm. You know, because it is a it is it is a snare from time to time to worry about what other people think. And mm-hmm. the root of that, of course, is pride. But it's also a case of not really having a clear idea of what your identity is mm-hmm. and living it. Well, you're right. I think the life, the life cycle, the life journey takes us and should take us into a place of greater settledness within ourselves, a greater sense mm. of identity, a greater um, confidence in God, you know, and a greater knowledge and wisdom. So all of that should proceed. And that's why we have the saying, it's hard to put an old head on young shoulders. Mm. We, we realize that you can say to young people, hey, you need to do this, settle down, There's steady no on, finish your studies or whatever. And they say, oh, yeah, what the heck, I'm going to a party and I'm going to stay up all night, you know, on my computer. And and they don't understand the value of, of the advice that you just gave. Yep. Give them 10 or 15 or 20 years, spending all night with sick kids, having bills, having a wife that's worried about whether you'll get thrown out of the house or not. And you end up with a different perspective on things. You know, you're, you're forced to have to take responsibility and look at things from a more mature and, 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 and accountable kind of posture. So all of that comes with our older years. I think another picture of this idea of the, the old head on young shoulders was a little story that my dad picked up somewhere or other. And he talked about uh, how our faith matures, our attitude changes over time. Hmm. And the image that he'd heard was about this person on a, on a raft going down some white water and just along a, and a fairly rough stream and hearing this, this incredible rapids coming ahead and knowing that things were really, really going to be uh, difficult. And they're just getting into a panic, falling on the knees, saying, God, you've got to help me. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. And then miraculously, they're on the other side of, of, of the water. And God somehow brought them through out of their sheer dependence yep. on God, right? Yep. Then they come along a bit further, and the guy's grown in faith now. And he comes along and sees some more rapids. And he stands up and points at the rapids and says, in the name of Jesus, I command <laughs> these rapids, get out of the way and let me through. And they do, you know, and he goes through, you see. And so suddenly he feels like I'm in a much better place spiritually now because mm. I've got all this authority and I can use it, right? 
But the years pass and finally he's coming along a bit further and there's another sound of rapids and he just lies down on his back on the raft and puts his hands behind his head and looks up to heaven and said, Lord, I'd just like to be closer to you. Would you mind raising the water level? And that then takes him across the rapids as well. So same kind of challenge being faced three different ways by different stages of life and different places where we've gotten to. And I think that ultimately we want to get in our older years to a place of ideal maturity. But even then, we are still dealing with our relationship with people. We still have people issues. Yeah. We might deal with them much better now, much more graciously. We might have learned an awful lot of wisdom, but the problems don't go away. And then there are also challenges that come that put in this big red light in front of us and want to distract us and absorb us and say, I'm a really big problem. You'd better just think about me all the time. And once again, we've got to go to God and say, God, I think I can feel inside me here that my pride has been pricked or my fears have been alerted or my my sense of jealousy of someone else that got a whole better deal than me is, is, is being aroused. There are things inside me I can see that you have brought to my attention. I now need your grace to enable me to deal with that. So there's not, those things are not there anymore. And my relationship with you and my relationship with others is all the sweeter for that process. So sadly, what that young boy is dealing with that I had to talk to this week is something he'll end up dealing with a year, 10 years from now and another decade after that and 40 years from now and I tried to get that through to him that this is like a um, a warm-up exercise for him to learn a skill set that he will use over and over and over again because you never become perfect in your dealings with people and you never become perfect in your faith but progressively you do get more and more of the stones and rubbish and junk out of your own attitudes to people and over your own heart toward God so that ultimately you can travel a whole lot better. Before you're capable of taking the big rapids, you've got to have navigated the the smaller rapids first, right? Faithful with a little before, you're going going to be trusted with a lot. Absolutely. And see, that's why I called it Life Journey, because sadly, 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 it's just going to keep happening. Yeah, I've been at this for a long time, and, and, and I'm still being challenged. I still have to grow. So it doesn't matter whether I've got money or whether I haven't got money. I'm going to run into problems with people. And it doesn't matter whether I've got my health or whether I've got money or or a reputation or anything. I've still got to work on my relationship with God. And that journey will continue until I breathe my last Mm. and I go into God's presence. Um, There is the reality. And I recognized after I talked to the young fellow while I was driving back to my place after having had this conversation, I realized that I'd focused him on relating to people and relating to God. And that reminded me that Jesus said the very first and greatest commandment is to love Love God. It's that focus on God. And the second greatest commandment is to love others. others. So God and people are our life journey. Mm. God and people and how we relate to God and how we relate to people is the life journey. Mm. It's not about a holiday in some tropical paradise. It's not about piling up your third uh, antique vintage multi-million dollar vehicle. It's not about owning a house bigger than the president has. You know, it's about God and people. And often I think that, you know, some people might think, well, why doesn't God just take me home? Why can't he just come back right now and take us to heaven, everything be great, take away the tears, like what he promises to do? Well, I think that uh, one of those big purposes, if not the big purpose, is because we've got to learn things that we can only learn on here on earth during this fallen stage of life about God and about one another. And, of course, it exposes our heart. So let me just maybe Mm. throw this 
away from a, an 18-year-old boy to some of the people who are listening, some of whom are probably maybe my age or in all different ages. They might be really, really old like you or something like that, you know. You don't know. <laughs> but to just look at their situation, some of the people listening will have actually been through a completely failed marriage. Some of them will have had children that or, or parents or siblings that, that have with whom they've completely broken fellowship. So their score, if you like, in terms of dealing with interpersonal problems, dealing with other people around them, might be very low. And they might feel like, wow, well, I definitely have blown that. Or maybe they're even right now in the middle of a situation where some of the relationships they have are really problematic and are kind of are like that issue that's in their face a lot of the time, that every time they try to reach out to a particular person, they keep getting rebutted and or they might feel tensions in their marriage or that or 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 at work or somewhere else so we realize that that this is just the journey of life and in one sense there's probably not a fail i don't know that we ever get an f while we're still breathing yes we can actually find that the test the teacher set before us before the exam we flunked but that's only to remind us to bone up before the exam it's not that we've actually failed the test or the ultimate exam. We've simply had a reminder along the way that, that we've still got things to learn. Go back to the textbook. Go back and bone up on this, cram on this stuff. And for people that have actually had real breakdown of relationship, probably the question I'd ask is, is this a pattern? Have you actually had three or four or more mm. relationships break down for similar reasons, yeah. you know, for similar kinds of, of situations where similar attitudes were being expressed, then clearly that's a warning light to you to go and talk to God and say, God, what is it about me? What, what, what am I? Uh, why am I in these situations? Is it pride? Or, or am I so touchy? Or, or am I very bossy and demanding? Am I a control freak? And begin to let God deal with who you are so that those that pattern of broken relationships can actually become a thing of the past and not a part of your future. Clearly, so many of us don't learn the lessons, do we? We don't learn to to take responsibility because forty it's around forty five percent of first marriages fail, but it's like sixty percent of second and seventy percent of third. Yeah, so it doesn't get better; it only gets more more difficult for those that have another go. Yeah, and so what was this young man's response? He was remarkably good. I was actually worried at first that he was going, that I wouldn't be able to say what I wanted to say. Did anything sink in? Um, I hope so. You don't know yet. Well, what's the proof of the pudding is in the eating? Yeah, yeah, I think, I think, um, I'll probably have a chance to see him and not for another whole month again. But when I do get a chance to follow up, I'll see whether he has. And by then, the meeting that he's got to face will have come and gone. And, um, but my encouragement to him, because he was a Christian boy from a Christian home, uh, I wanted to really encourage him that that what was really valuable out of all of this was not whether he won or lost the fight with the other residents in the home, mm. but whether he grew in his gizzards on the inside. And I warned him. I said, if you duck this one, it's a little bit like the children of Israel. You end up going to the wilderness and doing a big loop and you come back to the same old mountain again and you've got to deal with this issue one way or the other. Mm. I said to him, uh, the sort of issues we've got to deal with are really unpleasant so you've got, I think it's probably good for you, I said, if you could actually have a whole lot of that unpleasantness at once and, and step up a couple of rungs on the ladder quickly yeah. Yeah. than that you simply stall them and, and have to face them yeah. over a longer period of time. So I said, suck it in and, and, 
and aim. And he said, well, I really want, I'm, I'm challenged about having to love my enemies. And I'm thinking of maybe cooking a meal and, and doing some things like that to sort of bless them. But I can't do that until the meeting's all over. And so he's got this kind of young, enthusiastic young man sort of plan going on in his head. And I said, it would actually be sweeter and better if you just went to the meeting and said, I'm here at your mercy. I'm not even going to defend myself. I'll leave it to the authorities who are making the decision to come up with what is the wisest outcome because I'm just going to trust God. That's worth a heck of a lot more than cooking a meal for them to show them that you're kind of trying to be considerate, right? Mm. At the same time, he can only be where he's at, right? We can only be. I've had so much good advice over the years that just simply was like water off a duck's back to me. I could not absorb it. It just didn't make any sense. It's got to be the right time, doesn't it? And it's then really, later on, really I thought, to receive oh, if only I'd, yeah, if yeah. Only I'd listened in a five oh, years ago. There, yeah. And so I think I'd, all I can do is speak wisdom. You can't, you know, I can't have a hypodermic needle to make sure it actually goes in. Mm. It, it might just wash off. But then that's why the Lord says, exhort one another daily. I think there's a, a role of encouragement that we have to do. And you do it over and you do it over and you do it over. Because there is a moment when people finally hear it. There's a moment when people are ready for it. Mm. Or there's a moment when they stop and reflect and say, what was it the guy always said? Yeah, 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 I should have listened. And it finally clicks for them. And that's that process of actually being there for them. And I wanted him to know, hey, it didn't really matter to me whether the whole thing became a disaster or not. I wasn't going to judge him or write him off on any of that. He was, he had my number. He was able to chase me up and, and, and follow up with me if he felt he needed. Unfortunately... I would love to have said, you've got to see me, you know, this time. But then I would have been being unilateral. I would have been taking his monkey off him. Yeah. He has to actually take responsibility for whether he ever sees me again. Yeah. And so I, I couldn't dictate that over him. And I thought, well, he's he's young and he's going to be somewhat ignorant. He's going to be somewhat arrogant. I may never see him again in the context of this problem. But that's got to be his call. Part of him learning to, to grow up is to actually take that responsibility to go out to the clothesline and take your shirt off the line like he got told to. And it has to be your own action. You've got to learn by, by, by taking responsibility. So if one of our listeners has been like somebody in one of your sermons and slept through the first 30 minutes and they've woken up for the end, <laughs> what's, the, what's, the, what's the one thing they've got to remember to take away from here? Oh, dear. I think I would say this, that life's journey is about each of us learning how to genuinely love other people around us and respond to them properly, which is against our human nature. Our human nature is selfish, and we're not we're not going to want to have to please someone else if what they want us to do displeases us. So we're going to have a wrangle with our selfishness just to be able to deal with other people. Mm. But we're committed to love them, and we're just going to have to and recognize that, that you can't take a good long weekend out and, 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 and cross all the, the hurdles in that one day. You'll still be crossing them. God will present you with a new one 30 or 40 years later. You are going to be every decade of our life will be facing this journey. And in the process, the most beautiful and powerful resource we have is God himself and his word and his truth, setting us free from things we don't even want to admit are in there. So when the problems come up and they're in our face, stop resenting them or resenting the people who brought the problem to us and go and talk to God and say, God, this problem, when I look at it closely, is is laced with pride or it's laced with fear or it's laced with something else. I can see now that that's what this really is. I guess you're wanting to deal with this issue in me. So what is your wisdom? How do I deal with that issue? 
How can I overcome the fact that everyone keeps letting me down? Well, if they're letting you down, what are you feeling? I'm feeling discouraged. Okay, this is discouragement. Let's work through that. What's the scripture say about discouragement? What about hope and hoping in the Lord? And we try and find then God's wisdom that leads a person to to face whatever the issue is and to find God's wisdom to dissolve that issue or at least process it as effectively as we can with God's grace. And then guess what? There'll be something else and there'll be something else and there'll be something else. It's called life's journey. Don't think that by having enough money having bought the right house in the right suburb and having the right job and married the right girl and having the right kids going to the right school, that all the problems will be gone. This is life's journey. Mm. So suck it in, get used to it, and and get good at loving people and trusting God as you love him and letting him show you the things that are in the way with some people and in the way between you and God and then resolve them. And as you do, you just get, you just get, you just get gooder and gooder. You just get more blessed. You just get wiser. You just get more peace. You just, all the blessings and graces of God uh, are more and more a part of everyday life for you. Mm. And so for me, I think the takeaway from what you've, what you've shared with us and thanks for doing that, Chris, is just we're frequently, at frequent times, we need to check ourselves, check our, check our ignorance and our arrogance. Are you saying I'm ignorant and arrogant? <laughs> no, I'm saying I'm ignorant <laughs> and arrogant and. Amen, brother. We, and through, throughout our lives, we need to we need to check those and ask yeah. that question. And it's very hard to do. I think impossible to do if we're just looking at it ourselves, right? It's like mm-hmm. a knife. We can't sharpen a knife without something mm-hmm. to rub it against. And uh, and so we can go to God's word and look in there, and that can be a mirror to reflect back and show us areas where we're ignorant and arrogant. Mm-hmm. But also others, a trusted friend yeah. uh, or somebody who can be like that iron sharpening iron, and, and we can ask somebody. Who, who we know is going to tell us the truth. Do you think I'm being arrogant in my marriage? Do you think I'm being arrogant with my kids? Do you think I'm being ignorant somewhere? And, uh, you know, and hopefully they'll tell, tell you the truth and you'll get some mirror image reflect back. And Or you go and find another friend. <laughs> go, find, go find another friend. So thanks for sharing that, Chris. Thank you. It's been a blessing. So um, you'll find the show notes over on realmen247.org. And uh, that's it from me and from Chris. Yeah, bye for now. Well, thanks for listening and we'll look forward to having you join us next time.